Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Anything else you want to say before I get started? No, we okay. love you. We're excited. Yeah. It's going to be a good day. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you don't know this, but Jennifer always sits right here in the front row, which is so helpful. In a room, we've got some camera operators, a few technical team, and then I've got one person sitting in the front row. So I always preach to the front row today. So why don't you get your Bibles where you are as Jennifer finds her front row seat. And uh, I want to share with you this message in this season, our Vision Sunday message. Are you excited? Come on, are you excited? Make some noise in the chat. Tell me that that you're with me. This is going to be a fantastic day. I think we should have, like our chat ought to be blowing up more than it ever has before today. This is a big day to be engaged, to be involved. So this year and every year, we, we kind of have a theme for the year, a little bit of a laying out of plan. Our very first year when we planted Vivid Church, we came up to our first Vision Sunday. And uh, that that year, Our entire vision was just around living out our mission to reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. And and you've probably heard us say that. We say that a lot. That is still why we exist. The mission of our church will not change. Methods change and, and seasons come and go, but the mission stays the same. God has called us to reflect the light of his life for all to see. Wherever we go, an inclusive message of the gospel, the good news, who Jesus is. The following year, we gathered together. We had just moved downtown. For those of you who are part of, of our church, we had just moved downtown into the library, and we were so excited to be in this new venue, this new uh, new area. And we, at Vision Sunday, had this theme, Scan the Horizon. And we were talking about what it is to, to have like a longer-term vision and see that horizon point, the place where heaven and earth collide. That's really what the horizon is, isn't it? You see heaven and earth and they're coming together and there's this uh, moment where God is just touching something in the future. And so we, we began to just talk about what God was calling us to be. And a big part of that was the establishment of new locations around the city. And so as we scanned the horizon and looked to what God was doing, we knew he was calling us to start our New West location, to start our Kits location, and to establish our downtown location. So really, we spent the entire year working around that. Last year, we we laid out this goal, and I felt so strongly in my heart. Jennifer and I, as we prayed about Vision Sunday, we really felt this strong uh, sense from the Spirit of God that this was not a year for new activities. It was a year for true activation. And so we had this theme, just be about it. And so for, for like 40 days, we did a devotional on what it is to be about it. For 40 days, we just said, like, this is not about doing more things. This is about putting into practice what we already know to be true. And little did we know at the time that this would be a year where church would look drastically different than any other year of our lives. And, and we found ourselves for the majority of this year doing church in this way to a camera with one person in the front row to, you know, a team of people gathering together on YouTube, all the differences that this year has brought. And do you know what's really done something special in my heart? This confirmation where I'm going, God, you saw this. And, and in some ways you revealed to us this was going to be a different year. This was not a year for more activities. It truly was a year for activation. That type of affirmation and, and reassurance has me so excited for what I see God doing in us this year. Because if God revealed last year, just be about it. Don't, don't try to do new things. We would have had to strike all of them off the schedule. In March, we're doing this. In April, we're doing that. In May. And then we would have just canceled, 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 canceled. But instead, we've grown deeper and we've grown wider 
And so I've got that same type of affirmation today that what God is revealing for this year is going to be so significant. That should get you excited. I hope right now the chat is blowing up. That ought to get us excited. So our vision statement, our series for this season as we head into this new year, this fourth year of our existence. Here's it. You ready? Here it is. Ancient future. If you're writing notes, write that down. Ancient future. It's an interesting juxtaposition of two different concepts. What is long past and what is yet to come. I think there is a collision taking place in our church right now that that things from the distant past are going to become more and more evident in our future. A little bit of a high-browed concept, but we're going to unpack it a little bit together. An ancient future. I find this interesting uh, transition that takes place. You get something, and when you first take hold of it, it's new. How many people like new things? Come on, let me know if you like new things. Some of you are on Amazon every day because you just like new things. There's like those things, people. It's exciting to get a new toy. And uh, as soon as you unbox it, then what happens? It's no longer new. It's like you get that new car, you drive it off the lot, it's not new anymore. It's now a used car. So what is new becomes used. And then over time, you could put different words to it. Some would say well-used. Some would say well-loved. Some would say, I'm done with it. And it goes from new to becoming used, to becoming old. And for some who love new things, you haven't yet learned how to get rid of the old things. And so your closet just keeps getting more and more full. I don't mind new things as long as old things are on their way out. Are you with me? So there's new coming into our lives and then it becomes used and then it becomes old. And then if it was built in such a way to last, if there was something in it that's truly noble, old becomes vintage. Are you with me? Like, like, Uh, A new guitar becomes a used guitar, becomes an old guitar, but if it was built right, it becomes a vintage guitar. It becomes this kind of classic that you look to and it's it's hard to find. Some of you, you love thrifting, not because you're trying to be cheap because it's actually more expensive, but it's because you like the vintage quality of something that was built in such a way that it will last. So new to used to old to vintage. And then the truly profound things, the truly amazing things, things that are awe-inspiring or beautiful, they go to becoming ancient. And we look at ancient history and archaeologists spend their lifetimes digging in a pile of dirt to find something that is ancient, to find something that is significant, not just in the 10 years past or not just in the 100 years past, but we're looking way back in history. And there's this interesting um, transaction that takes place where you get in touch with your past. I remember years ago, Jennifer and I were in Paris, we went to the Louvre and we walked through and and I I saw this one tablet. And for some reason, all the beautiful art, all the amazing sculptures, the Mona Lisa, everything that it had, we're like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And then I saw this one tablet that was carved out in stone and it predated Moses by 1200 years. And I just sort of stood there and thought, oh wow. This is not new by any means. It's not just used. It's not just old. It's not just vintage. This is ancient. This is something that young Moses growing up in Egypt would have looked at and gone, whoa, this is old. Like like the, the history, if this rock could speak, all oh, the stories it would tell. And it was like this moment where I, I, I felt small and incredible all at the same time. Like the human race, so small, but yet, wow, what a lineage, what a history of the faithfulness of God to humanity. 
This year, as we go into the future, I think there's some lessons we can learn from the past. Not just reusing what's barely used, not just recycling what we've just finished with, but really truly looking beyond the old, beyond the vintage, to the ancient. If we can look not just, oh, I liked that song five years ago. Oh, that's a song I grew up with and I, I sung in church 30 years ago. But, but if we could go way back and say, what was God doing at the beginning of the establishment of this thing called the church? The faithfulness of God continuing in consistency from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. I, I think we've become so uh, excited about new that we have, have been, been quick to discard things that might actually be ancient. Quick to discard what might actually be an heirloom that we could pass down to, from generation to generation. I'll tell you this right now, there is nobody who is leaving IKEA furniture to their kids. Like IKEA furniture, you're frustrated by the time it's built and then it starts breaking. But that's okay because it's cheap and it's replaceable. And it seems as though perhaps even in our relationships, even in our church, even in our understanding of theology, we've had this idea that everything's replaceable. New season, we'll try some new things. But as we go into this new season, why don't we try some ancient things? I think our future is going to look a lot more like the ancient Past. I get excited about it. I hope you're with me still in the chat. I want to uh, turn your attention, if I could, to the book of Acts. If you could go there, the book of Acts chapter 2. If you've been around church for a while, you might know that Acts chapter 2 is a pretty significant passage of Scripture. It's in Acts chapter 2 that the church begins. Like, like Jesus, he came to earth and he called a few disciples together. And those few disciples gathered around him and he, he poured his life into them, but it stayed small. It seems almost that Jesus avoided the big because his plan was actually to multiply through them. And, and so he spent time primarily with these 12 friends of his. And in a larger sense, with a few hundred people who had kind of gathered around them. And then Jesus goes to the cross. He dies a tragic death. And in the eyes of humanity, it was unfair and unjust. But in the eyes of God, it was the only possible way to redeem humanity and bring them back to his, himself. And Jesus didn't just die, he rose again from the dead. He conquered death in the grave and leaves us now looking at death saying, oh, death, that's all you got? That's it? Where's your sting? Because he has conquered death and he has promised eternal life for you and I. It's this amazing thing that took place. And then he says to his disciples, guys, great news. I'm leaving. I'm going to go to heaven and prepare a place for you. I'll be back. But in the meantime, you are going to change the world. In the meantime, I'm going to use you and you will actually have power and you will become a witness to the entire world. And, you know, Vivid Church exists today because Jesus fulfills all his promises. We exist today. We're gathered today with technology because Jesus made a promise a few thousand years ago to a group of friends and then he kept his promise. Acts chapter 2 is so significant. It's kind of like the origin story of this superpower that is the church globally. It's our origin story. It's like the first superhero movie in, in a new uh, anthology or in a new universe. And you go, this is how it all began. Well, guess what? This superpower that is the church, a movement uh, of bringing uh, justice and bringing revival and bringing new life and bringing new ideas and bringing new dreams, that movement began in Acts chapter 2 because Jesus keeps his promises. And so in Acts chapter 2, it says they're gathered together in one place and they were praying and then the Holy Spirit of God comes into the place. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
It, it says that there, there was like a wind in the room, that they had tongues of fire, like, like a campfire on everyone's head. They all began to speak of the wonderful works of Jesus, and many of them were speaking in tongues they hadn't even learned. So they walked out of the place they were so fired up, literally, flames, you got me, fired up, so excited and passionate, just talking about Jesus. And the Bible says that the Jerusalem where they were was filled with people from all different people groups, and all of them heard about Jesus in their native language. All of them are going, hold up, you guys are from Nazareth. How do you speak in a perfect Cyrene dialect? This doesn't make any sense. You didn't learn this. And then Peter stands up and he says, oh, this isn't us. This is actually God. He loves you crazy amount. He, he's like, he loves you like crazy. And so he's using us to bring a message that's not just for us, but for the whole world. In that moment, Peter is reflecting the light of Jesus' life for all to see, anyone who would listen. And that day, revival comes. That day, the church, the gathering of people who had a close, intimate relationship with Jesus was 120 when they woke up in the morning. And by the time they went to bed, the Bible says there was 3,120 people because 3,000 new people came into faith that day. That is a miracle of multiplication. I want, I want you to see this, that from ancient times, the church has carried within it the potential for miraculous multiplication. From ancient times, the church has always had this ability to do the impossible. From ancient, and it's not because we've got great strategies. It's not because we've got great style. It's not because of production. It's not because of planning. It's not because of great messages, great worship. Great. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit is working in unified people towards a purpose. Now that all is taking place in Acts chapter 2. A group of 120 praying together. The wind, the fire, the tongues, the, the salvation, the revival. All of that took place in Acts chapter 2. But today I actually want to point your attention to a different miracle that takes place in Acts chapter 2. Actually in some ways maybe a more tangible and a more profound miracle that took place that day. It happens in Acts chapter 2 starting at verse 42. I want you to look at the way that the ancient church interacted. I want you to look at the way that the ancient church uh, committed themselves to the goals that God had for them. Let me show you. Acts chapter 2, 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All of the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions, and they gave to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I want to point your attention to what took place that is equally miraculous. Like the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that results in multiplication and revival is a miracle. But do you know what else is a miracle? The devotion of people to obedience to what God has called them to. Devoting themselves to purpose and God adding to their numbers daily. Vivid Church, this might not be a year where we multiply. This might not be a year where we get to gather in one accord in one place and we get to all be together and we see this huge citywide momentary revival. But I believe with all my heart this will be a year of devotion in addition, 
This is going to be a year where we devote ourselves to the purposes of God. And in doing so, we see God miraculously adding to our numbers daily. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to hear these stories. I'm starting to hear these stories coming through as people are saying, guess what happened this week? I was texting with a friend and, and I prayed that prayer with them that we pray often at the end of church and they received Jesus. And that's beginning to happen weekly. And I'm believing that's going to start to happen daily, that the Lord will add to our numbers. So what is it that we can do? We can devote ourselves. It's all about devotion. Vision Sunday is not about emotion. It's about devotion. This is not just a hype up service. This is a truly, deeply profound, hope-filled message for you and I. God is calling us to devotion. Not to be, hmm, you know, quick to recycle what we've, we've had. Well, this, that was a good year. Let's move on. But to actually say this truth, it has the power to endure. This is not going to become old in my life. This is not even something that I will, you know, take good care of because it's so vintage. This is a truly ancient, profound reality. This is who God is calling us to be, a people of devotion. Do you know without devotion, a dream is just a dead end? A dream is actually very discouraging if you don't have devotion. To have a great dream of all the things you could do and no devotion to do it, no devotion to see it through, oh, it's actually just this dead end that leads us into disappointment, into disillusionment. And so today I want us to see from the origin story of the church, this is who we've always been. And as we go into the future, we're going to do what was ancient. We're going to devote ourselves. Now you'll notice in this passage, there's a few things they devoted themselves to. This doesn't mean that they had a series of different priorities. This means that the following goals led to their purpose. See, devotion is about purpose. You can devote yourselves to multiple activities, provided that those activities are leading to the same purpose. I think there's a lot of people, we've got divided purpose. We want to be we want to be, let's say, rich, but we also want to be big spenders. Those two purposes are pretty hard to coexist. And so there are activities that are actually diametrically opposed to live those two lifestyles. But God is calling us as a church to be a church where he can add to our numbers daily. And then in moments that are unexpected, he can multiply us miraculously. That's going to take some devotion. That's going to take some single-minded, dogged, persistence to say, I will not stop doing this thing. So you'll see in here, there's a few things they devoted themselves to that all led into this purpose of being the people God had called them to be. I remember a couple years ago, I took one semester night course of Cantonese. Cantonese language is so difficult. I really enjoyed the whole thing, but the first lesson, the first day was the establishment of tones. They said there are certain tones that you say things in and those tones actually change the whole message of what you're saying. And she said, there are five tones. Or you could say there's six. Perhaps you could say there's seven or nine. And I was like, hold up. What do you mean that there's four or five or six or seven or nine? She said, well, some of them sound so similar that as we teach it to, to English people, we just kind of combine them together. And so today in this passage, it's sort of similar. There are maybe seven things they devoted themselves to, or perhaps five. But today I think I can you know, package them in such a way that we're going to look at four. Can we do that together? Number one, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. Devoted to development. They were devoted to development. 
Their story of what they understood of God would not just be a testimony story of what had happened in their past. They were bringing that reality into their future. They were devoted to development. It was not just once upon a time, I was walking in Jerusalem and a group of 120 crazy people started talking about Jesus. I got saved, the end. Their story was this, I am growing daily in my understanding deeper of who God is. If we're going to be the church God has called us to be, we need to be devoted to development. I'm challenging each one of us. Let's not live in that, that uh, you know, shallow understanding where enough is enough. You know, I, I know enough and that should be enough. There is always going to be more depths of understanding in who God is, his character and his likeness. And I want to understand it all. When Paul is speaking to Timothy, he says, Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Someone who doesn't need to be ashamed because you rightly handle the word of truth. I am challenging us and calling us. This year at Vivid Church, we are going to be devoted to development, to developing a more thorough theological worldview, to developing a greater depth of understanding, not only of who God is, but by extension, who we are, by extension, what our, our purpose in this world is. Let's be devoted to development. Let, let's not let next year come up and it's like, now we're five years old and we look back and say, I haven't grown personally. If each one of us said, I will be devoted this year to development, to the apostles teaching, to sitting under good teaching, to taking good notes, to applying those good notes, to asking good questions, to putting into practice what I already know to be true, and then letting God reveal himself in greater dimensions. Let's be devoted to development. It's one of the things they did. The first thing they did after seeing revival is they said, we need to know more. We need to understand more. It wouldn't have been possible for the apostles to say, we're just going to keep on reliving the Acts 2 experience. We're just going to keep on having moments where the Spirit of God blows into the room and tongues of fire come and we all start to speak. But instead they said, we're going to devote ourselves to teaching what we know so we can all grow stronger. Vivid, we are going to be devoted to development. Number two, you'll see this. They devoted themselves to relationship. And in relationship, it was both deepening and diverse. It says this, they devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. I think what can take place sometimes is we make a choice. I'm either going to have deep relationships or diverse relationships. I'm either going to have a few people that I do everything with or a lot of people that I kind of don't do life with at all. They're just convenient acquaintances. God is calling you and I to be devoted to both deepening relationships and diverse relationships, that we would go deeper in fellowship, but that we would also sit around the table with diverse understanding. And it says this, they all did this. Now remember, just a few verses before, people of like 15 or 16 different language groups just got saved, and then they all dedicated themselves to growing deeper and more diverse in their relationships. They didn't just say, well, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, good for you, good for me, and, and that's, that's good enough. See you in heaven, bro. No, no, they were like, we're going to do this thing together. They deepened and they diversified their relationships. Vivid, if we're going to be who God's called us to be, this is an ancient principle that we're going to carry into our future to have deeper and more diverse relationships. We're going to go deeper and wider with our relationships. True fellowship is not just a potluck. True fellowship is not just a, a designated day on a calendar. True fellowship is that we are sharing our lives with one another. So we're going to be devoted to deepening and diversifying our relationships. So you still with me? That was two. Okay, we could have looked at them as three. Maybe fellowship is different than breaking of bread. I think they happen in the same context. I think true intimate moments where you're sharing a meal happen in an environment where you're already 
in the same place, talking about life, doing life together. So we're going to be devoted to development. We're going to be devoted to deepening and diversifying our relationships. Number three, they devoted themselves to dependency, like to truly being dependent on Jesus. It says this, they devoted themselves to prayer. That means they made strategic plans and followed through in praying. And what did they pray about? Everything. Come on, everything. Maybe we have been quick to discredit someone because they're too spiritual. I've heard this saying before, that person is too spiritually minded to be any earthly good. That statement is kind of cute, but it's just false. It's wrong. We as people who really believe that Jesus is alive and well and sitting on the throne and working on our behalf and keeping all his promises, we should pray about everything. They devoted themselves to prayer. There is no issue or need too big for God. Think of this. He used some underqualified some disorganized people. I I get excited whenever I see in the Bible, God uses disorganized people. I'm like, oh God, even me. You can do this even through me. They devoted themselves to dependency. If there's nothing too big for God, it also means there's nothing too small for him. There's nothing, and I think that might even be a greater miracle, that there's no need too small for God. He cares about the intimate small things that can interact with our day-to-day life. So they devoted themselves to development, to deepening and diversifying their relationships. They devoted themselves to dependency, to pray about everything. And then lastly, fourthly, they devoted themselves to demonstration. They actually made it their effort to say, we're not just going to have head knowledge. We're going to have our hearts and our hands applied to the same thing. We are going to actually put this thing into practice. And here's what it looked like. There were signs and wonders performed. The Bible says signs and wonders come after good preaching. So good theology leads to deepening uh, relationships, leads to a dependency on God, leads to demonstrations of God's power. He moves in the context of unity. So as they understood more who God was, and they understood it together in fellowship, and they said, well, why don't we agree together in prayer? God started doing the miraculous. And so miracles were taking place. And one of those miracles, perhaps the most profound of them, is that it says they all shared everything in common. People began to sell what was rightfully theirs to meet the needs of other people. Generosity was this miracle that flowed out of the early church. This miracle that led to more celebration together, that led to more favor with all the people, and actually, I believe, set an environment for God to do this miraculous act of adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. They devoted themselves to demonstration. I think we've believed this crazy lie. My faith, it's it's really important to me. It's just very personal and it's, it's just very inward. If your faith is very personal, I don't think it's personal enough. When it truly becomes personal, a relationship of God with God that's not just in our head, but it's in our heart, it will always lead into our hands. It'll always lead into demonstrations where we do something with it. Okay, I'm getting carried away. I could go on and on. But I have a whole series. I just always have to remind myself, Justin, you have a whole series to go over this thing. Today's an overview. It's Vision Sunday. So they devoted themselves to development. They devoted themselves to deepening and diversifying their relationships. For some of you, that, that's your goal this year. Don't just say, I got one friend. That's good enough. One friend is good enough. But imagine the power if the two of you began to include others in your life and circle. Oh, the power it would be. The, the ability for God to add to your numbers. They devoted themselves to dependency. You don't grow out of needing God. In fact, the more you grow, the more you need Him. And then they devoted themselves to demonstration. And the miracle that took place in Acts 2 certainly is one of multiplication. But an equally profound miracle is the miracle of addition. 
And we can't even gather together in 120 this year. The, the, the whole story begins, and they were together, 120 in one place, and they began to pray. We can't do that right now in BC. I don't know when we will next. But here's what we can do. We can devote ourselves to development, deepening and diversifying our relationships, to dependency and to demonstration. Demonstrations of generosity and demonstrations of God's power. Maybe today as you're watching, you're one of those people that God wants to add today. You're one of those people who God is calling you today into a relationship with Him. I want to pray with you a really simple prayer. This is a prayer that people in our church are leading their friends in. This is a prayer that some of you have prayed on a, a link like this. This is a prayer that many of you in, in public gatherings have prayed. And it's a prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to lead you that, in that today. If this is you, just pray with me. Dear Jesus, I trust you with my life. I repent of my sin and I receive your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, you are now part of the family of God. You're now part of the church. That, that means you got pastors. That means you got crazy siblings. Like the Bible says we're a family of God. That means you have destiny and purpose and you have begun a relationship that will grow and develop through devotion as we continue to make some goals together. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church Podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.